0: If it hurts too much to hold on, then it's time to let go. My name is Andrea, and this is Adult Child. Welcome back to Adult Child, where we take a deep dive into the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family. Shit shows, buckle up. Today, we are diving deeper with the shit show siblings. Yes, guys, that's what I'm calling you, the shit show siblings. So last week, we heard about their crazy ass childhoods. And this week, today, we're going to get to hear about How the hell that impacted their lives as adults, what recovery and healing has looked like, and what their relationship with their mother looks like today. So, super interesting conversation. I know you guys are going to love this. Before that, though, I mentioned last week that I put out a survey within my Patreon community asking them some questions about their relationship with their siblings. Um, So I wanted to share the results and some of the highlights from that. So the very first question that I asked was, do you have a different perspective on your childhood compared to your siblings? So 83% said yes, that they have a different perspective on their childhood than their siblings do. So no shock there. The next question I asked was, if so, please elaborate. So I pulled a few of the answers that I wanted to, to read to y'all. So this is elaborating on how they had a different perspective on their childhood from their siblings. So here's the first one. While we all suffered trauma, I was the oldest and suffered the most and shielded them from as much as I could. My brother remembers my dad as the villain, and my sister, thankfully, doesn't remember much of it. My parents got sober when she was around five or six. The truth is, is that while my dad was physically abusive, my mom's emotional and physical neglect scarred me more than anything that my dad did. So that's where my brother and I differ. Okay, another one. I remember when my mom finally got the resolve to leave my dad after months, maybe years of threatening to kill her. And shortly after pulling out a rifle on her, my sister sat in the back of the car with me and asked, why are we leaving? (laughs) He isn't that bad. I had no answer. I was completely dumbfounded. Next, we each suffered different levels of abuse and neglect growing up in the family. Then there is how much denial some are in regarding how the neglect and abuse has impacted them as an adult. We each adapted in different ways, abusing alcohol, avoiding the family altogether, joining Scientology some of us are in recovery and have sought a spiritual path as a way of finding a way out of the darkness of our childhood. Hello, whoever this person is, uh, I need to know more about the Scientology shit. Please reach out to me. (laughs) I'm, I'm obsessed with all things cults. So whoever this person is, uh, I need to know more now. Okay. Next one. My brother got a lot of praise and attention for being a really talented athlete. My dad kept him on a pedestal. I always felt like my parents favored him. My dad never hit my brother and he beat the shit out of me a couple of times. I got grounded all the time and my brother did not. So I know that this is something that's very common within families with a narcissistic parent. Typically, there is one that is the golden child and then another child is the, is the not so golden child that really gets the brunt of everything. Um, okay. Last one, because I was the truth teller, I was always in trouble. My sisters and brothers were quiet in regards to the dysfunction. I challenged it every day. My dad was a renowned surgeon and rarely home. And my mom was always mad at him. The kids paid the price, especially me. So my story is a little more dramatic. That being said, my brother married a bipolar psycho, like my mom, and he ended up with a rare cancer and died at 34. My little sister has attempted suicide three times, almost succeeded three months ago. My oldest sister is a recovering addict, bulimic, alcoholic, codependent. So my point is that with me being a scapegoat, I actually had an outlet. I was talking and telling my whole life. My siblings stayed quiet and suffered greatly different kinds of experience, all pretty bad outcomes. So then the next question I asked was, um, in your opinion, how has your childhood impacted your life as an adult compared to your siblings? Here's one for you. It has greatly impacted my life. I am the family scapegoat and was blamed for everything as a kid. And even today, I was bullied mercilessly. merciless. God, why is that struggle? I was bullied mercilessly (laughs) by my siblings to the point that my self-worth was destroyed. I was always told I wasn't smart. I was called fat. I was told I was drama anytime I spoke up about the bullying. I was called crazy whenever I would cry because the bullying became too much mentally. I was told I should drop out of college because my dad didn't think I was smart enough for it and I was wasting his money. I wasn't stupid, though. My family just painted that image of me and threw all of their baggage at me. So I would excel and then get scared and self-sabotage. I used partying and sex as a means to put value onto myself. My young adult life was extremely brutal. I have so much empathy for that girl, and I wish I could go back in time and tell her she was worth more. While my life did turn out okay in the end, I constantly have regret for not following my dreams and sticking with school. My siblings all have master's degrees and two are attorneys. One is award-winning author, writer. I feel like in a different environment, one where my siblings didn't bully the shit out of me daily, I would have really excelled academically. I could go on and on about other aspects of my life that have been severely affected, but it'd be literally a novel. (laughs) Yes, probably. Um, Okay. Here's another one. We all have similar relationship issues where we have all chosen partners who are similarly damaged in ways that complement us. I was the only girl in the family where women were not respected or valued. So I grew up feeling my own worth was how I was reflected in the eyes of men. Mm, Powerful. Um, Okay. My role in the family was the protector and the mediator. Constantly defending my sisters and trying to deflect my mom's abuse with humor. As an adult, I struggle with people-pleasing and speaking up for myself. My sisters are far better than I am at putting their needs first and being more confident. They are also much better at detaching from their emotions than I am. And then the last one. My siblings are my older brothers. They experience more of the dysfunction and verbal abuse in watching our mother be beaten by our father i came along as they like to say when my dad got a better job so i got spoiled because of what my brothers saw and experienced compared to me experiencing the lesser of the family dysfunction and physical abuse they knew that they didn't want to be like their father they wanted to be better i didn't want to be like either of my parents but i really didn't want to be like my mother A codependent that never fought for more of her own life. Saying that, I became my mother by becoming a hardcore codependent. I did not see that coming. Um, This is also insightful, guys. I really appreciate everyone's responses. I'd like to do more of these surveys. Okay, so the next question was, uh, what role did you play in your family growing up? So the most popular response at 32% was the hero child. Then at 30%, we had scapegoat. Lost child, 25%. Mascot at 13%. Um, I also asked, are you estranged from any of your siblings? And so 41% said yes, they were estranged from one of their siblings. I asked, do you have a sibling in active addiction? Also 41% said yes. And then I asked, do you have a sibling in recovery? And only 30% said yes. Okay. So the last question that I asked was, how has adult child recovery shifted your relationship with your sibling in either a positive or negative way? And so there was some interesting responses here. So we started off with lots of pain and dysfunction. We misunderstood one another. My dad bullied my brother and my brother bullied me. After 30 years, I reached a place of forgiveness for my brother's actions. I never knew it was possible. I am not yet there, though, with my dad. Um, okay, another one. I used to be closer with my brother, and as an adult, I recognize that I can't hold that anger in and have to learn how to have a happier, healthy relationship with myself and others. He is not there, and it is challenging to be around him and constantly listen to him complain about my late mother. Uh, Okay, a couple more. I didn't have a relationship at all with my brother for about 10 years while he lived in another state and was in active addiction. Since he sought treatment and I started going to Al-Anon and ACA meetings, we started building a relationship again. That's beautiful. Um, Okay, another one. Three years ago, my life came to a tipping point with my family. My wedding was completely destroyed. The story is too insane and long to write about. Well, maybe we can get you on Shit Show Saturday, whoever wrote this. <laughs> we like to hear about Shit Show weddings. Um, but after that, I was forced to accept who my siblings are and to accept that no matter what I did in life, they would never see me as someone deserving of love or respect. I went through a really hard time after that. The past three years, I have done major soul work and have done intense therapy. And as a result, I am very careful about my relationship with my siblings and how close I let them in. My relationship with them was always guarded, so to speak, but now it's on a whole other level, and I'm not naive. There are days I wish I could be close to them and fit in with my siblings. But then I remember that I never fit in with them and our relationship was never as strong as I thought that it was. Mm. Very insightful. Um, Okay. It has made me realize that we never had a healthy relationship. I've always just been pretending because I want to feel close. We are pretty far apart now emotionally because I've been working on my boundaries for the first time and my brother is not happy about it. I actually find myself avoiding interactions with him because it is so emotionally draining. And of course, I feel guilt over this, but I'm working on this as he has active alcoholism at this time. Um, Okay, another one. Uh, I feel like since I started looking at myself and my family more, I am a lot closer with my siblings, but as I am not a healed person myself, it also brings to light all the ways I affect them. I am the eldest, so I had a large part in their upbringing, and I feel as though I took on a mean parent role in their eyes. That is now something I am looking to get away from. Um, okay, uh, two more. So, um, yes, definitely in a positive way. I feel like I can be there for them in a way that doesn't put pressure on me to solve their problems. I would try to fix everything, whether that was with the right words or in a monetary way, my adult child recovery journey allows me to be more present with them and embrace them for the amazingly independent women that they are. That's beautiful. Okay, and last but not least, it has been very positive for me to work through setting boundaries and standing up for myself, even though eventually I decided to go no contact. It took years Being no contact with my sister was the best gift I could ever have given myself. I got my self-respect back, no more doing all the work or being the only one who gave to our relationship while putting up with awful behavior towards me at times. That was later denied. I'm an open and caring person, I have limits, and I appreciate that family is not who I necessarily relate to." Um, that was also so, so very insightful. You know, I guess what I just want to say is that there's no right or wrong way to do any of this stuff, right? We all have to decide what healthy boundaries look like for us. And for some of us, that might look like not having a relationship with our family members or Maybe that means not having a relationship with our family members right now, or maybe that means we do have a relationship with our family members. So I just think it's so important that we don't compare uh, when it comes to this shit because we each have our own stories, we each have our own trauma, we each have our own healing journey, and as you'll hear um, with the Shit Show siblings today, you know, they all have different relationships with their with their moms now, and they each have their own individual journeys of healing and growing so just know that there's no right or wrong way to do this shit y'all okay we are just figuring it out as we go along um and h- how about I shut up now <laughs> how about I shut the fuck up um okay so first a few things as always um on August 6 Saturday August 6 we we're having the workshop with Miss Barb Nangle. So this is on, it's titled, uh, Discovering Your Real Identity Boundaries for Recovering Shit Shows. Super pumped for this. Um, it is now on sale for everybody. Um, Patreon folks, you get a discount that is posted in the group. And then everybody else, uh, see link in the show notes of this episode to go, buy tickets for that. Um, This is a limited capacity event. There's already been quite a few tickets sold. So they're going fast, y'all. So go buy that shit now. And also there's an option to buy the the replay if you're not able to uh, attend the actual event. Um, So there's that. All right. Next, I want to give a shout out to my newest members of the shit show show family over on Patreon. So Patreon is where I host three weekly Zoom support groups. Guys, these meetings are so good. And I'm not just telling you that these meetings are gold mines of wisdom and healing and laughter. So hop on over there to patreon.com slash adult child. And you could be like one of these really fucking cool people that I'm about to name. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Angelita Aaron Tauf. Julia, Wendy, Kendall, Jay, Joanne, Sarah, Stephanie, Alex, Anna, Yessie, Nicole, Ann, and Julie. You're the shit. You're the shit. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Adult Child Pod. And you can also give me not also you will give me a five star rating on Apple and Spotify. That's what we do here, and today for our um our transitionary music, uh, so I went to the Doobie Brothers concert last night, guys. Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald. Not sure if you know this about me, but I am a very skilled uh Michael McDonald impersonator. So I thought that I would um I would I would share. Some of that with y'all. So you're probably gonna think that this is actually Michael McDonald singing, but it's actually me. So enjoy! Okay. So let's get into the real reason that we're here. I want to talk about how has the impact of your childhood shown up in your lives as adults? I'll go first while y'all think about it. Well, I, um,
1: I'm, a, I, I'm finally in a successful, happy marriage after two failures,
0: uh, marrying narcissistic workaholics. So let's talk, uh, let's talk about that some. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's. So dating your mother,
1: dating a combination of my mother and my father—that's what's really fucked up. When I now, in hindsight, and being in the program, I I don't know how I hit the jackpot with my current husband, who's not fucked up at all. I mean, he's got his own problems, but not this. So yeah, let let's get in relationships with people that will emotionally abuse and ultimately abandon me and withhold money. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, my first and second husband were the uh, carbon copies of of themselves. Thankfully, I didn't have children with my first husband and that marriage was an old, um, but my second husband is the father of my children. So I get to see his ass every couple months, but um,
0: yeah. And after you got out of that second marriage, was there a conscious effort to do things differently? Yes. Lots of therapy. (laughs) Not shaking his head. No.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't going to get married. I was like, that's it. I have my kids. I have my job. I have my own house. Um, actually kind of rebuked the advances of Mark, my, my, my current relationship several times. Um, But through the grace of God, just like I say, it's a miracle. I can put my pants on somehow. I had a a guardian angel watching over me all those years when I was roaming the streets alone as a little girl um, that I finally got it right. And I will say, because I hit a bottom three years ago, you know, thinking that this marriage wasn't gonna last because nobody stays with me. Everybody leaves me. Everybody leaves me. So I might as well preempt it. I don't deserve it. I, and I was happy. Mm-hmm. And it is a pattern. And mm-hmm. um and now I'm so aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um my world collapsed. And that was like I called Pook, my sister Joanne, and she said, get in an Al Anon meeting. And I went to an Al-Anon meeting. And and then a week later from that meeting somebody said, you know, you really should try this adult children, alcoholics meeting on Friday. And I walked in that meeting, somebody handed me a red book and I was like, holy fuck. And I went to that meeting every Friday for a year and a half until COVID. And then went to another meeting, but it was as if, I, so I'd been in therapy and that's a kicker. Like I'd been in therapy for 20
0: years. That yes. is everyone's experience. It's like, we sit in therapy and they never tell us what the fuck is wrong with that. And us. I'm like, <laughs>
1: there's something wrong with me. And it's right under the surface. And I could never, and it was like, and I, I, I guess my red book's in the car, but I'm like, it was, it was that it was what's in the book, the red book and no, and I never found it in therapy. And so when I started to unpeel, unpack and Sam and I have talked about this, like so many pages of that book, you know um, the woman with the can of potatoes in the closet, because we had food insecurity. So many of us, like my cabinets are always bursting with food. I always have cake mix. Um, because like my sister said, I was, that's how I save the family. I'm going to make fucking cupcakes. So that's how it manifested. I'm a workaholic. I got my doctorate degree, um, uh, three years ago, I have my day job, which is amazing. And then I teach. So like, I'm always busy because if I'm not then I feel the whole world is going to crumble down and I'm going to have nothing. So mm. that's, that's kind of where
0: I'm at. <laughs> that was a lot, but when I read the bread bit, it's like for the first time, seeing everything that I had felt and thought on, you know, on paper for the very first time. Yeah. Like, Thank you. God. I'm not me, crazy. I, I, well, I am I, crazy, I, but I'm not I, alone.
2: You <laughs> <I> not <can't laughs> need to hear that Kate. Cause, um, my, uh, I forget. Anyway, the mantra that I had for years, and it's finally gotten better, is I, I'm addicted to chaos.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. do you know that that's one of the laundry list traits? Yep. We become addicted to excitement.
2: Oh, uh, like and and yep. like just what you're saying, Kate. If things are good, mm-hmm. then I start some shit, man. I'm yep. gonna start a fight. I'm a fucking. I'm gonna fuck with somebody because it's not right, man. I don't feel right unless the shit is just blowing up you know, and because I was used to that, like, let's move back and forth to Hawaii 15 times and go to, we lived in, fifth. I went to 15 schools uh, by the time I got to high school, 15 schools. I think it's something like that. Yeah. It's, it doesn't even sound like it's possible, but it did. Um
0: Well, it's an actual, like the actual chemicals, like we get actually addicted mm-hmm. to the chemicals that, mm-hmm. that that is producing in our brain. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah I, it was true. And it's like, I don't know if I'm getting old and tired. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with uh, that yeah. chaos. I
1: am done. You know? I
2: don't know, but that's the way. And like anger, you know? I mean, anger, freaking rage. I think like, I can't watch TV shows now with a lot of screaming. Like Frasier cannot watch it. How many TV shows, they just scream and yell at each other because I freaking lived that for my whole life. So I can't, and I'm already a loud person. Can you imagine like when I have an argument, it's like, listen, we're going down now. <laughs> you know, it just goes from zero to eight million in, in, in no time because that's what you. So I got to bring this story up, guys. You remember the tape, the, the, the tape of Christmas, the Christmas tape? Yes. So we think like this insanity started because of Hawaii or right now. This shit was been going on forever. We have a tape from like 1972 or something like that where my mom's like, all right, everybody, and screaming and yelling, Sam, get the kids dressed. We're going to church for Christmas. So this this tape is like two hours long of absolute friggin mayhem may in the house and i'm like how the fuck did we live like so you know the whole time every every 20 minutes my mom's like get the kids dressed we're going to christmas total insanity and then it's like god damn it we're fucking late now we're not gonna go to fucking church for christmas i'm like oh my god well, who lives like this, man?
1: Oh, good so, anyway. Where is that?
2: Shit? The what's that? The tape. Oh, we the got tape? tape? I think we so all have copies. copies. We got copies. <clears throat> my I mom made copies
1: of Yeah, copies that. of that tape. Well, because my grandfather used to just put like record the family, and it was actually quite sweet because then you it was great to hear like aunts and uncles and things like that. So for some reason. I guess my dad hit the record because we were get they were making cookies and we're like getting ready, so it was like hap- happy,
3: right? Christmas mm. Eve, huh?
1: In theory. Mm. Matt, you're on mute. You're, you're muted.
2: I think it's because he want he wanted evidence.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, Manity, man.
0: Like playing like some Amber Heard Johnny shit. Oh God, yeah, right? um, yeah. Okay, Sam. How, how are you impacted this shit show up for you?
3: Well, um, I feel like I was at an age when this started happening, where I started feeling very insecure, uh, as far as uh, relying on other people. And, mm-hmm. uh, so as soon as I was able to pretty much, uh, I joined the military, uh, had a wonderful Air Force career. Uh, Now I work for the government and it's this great career. I, uh, you know, would buy uh, houses to fix up and rent. I did real estate investing. So for me, financial security was my responsibility. And uh, I... Pursued multiple opportunities to do that. I feel like uh, it is uh, put me in a secure place uh, for me and my family. Uh, my wife Anne is on the call, and uh, we have two wonderful children in college, so we are taking care of. And uh, I feel like the the financial uh, piece of it is uh, what I equate with. Security. You know, I don't, I hate relying on people. I, I, uh, you know, was always like, no, no, I'll do it. I'll do it myself. It didn't matter what it was. If it was something insanely difficult where, you know, having someone help me would be no big deal, I would insist on doing it myself. Now, the change is, is that I became a paraplegic in. Uh, 2020 so now I am reliant on people to help me out so I think it's rather ironic that I ended up you know trying to be so independent and do it myself Goddamn it and now now I need help now I have to be able to ask for help uh, when I need it so that's that's how this showed up but you know uh, I think we we've all come through this, you know, none of us went to prison. Uh, None of us are continuing to be addicted. Uh, We're all working a 12 step program of one sort or another. Uh, I went to school and ended up getting a master's degree uh, because I thought education was the key to uh, being an effective provider. And, uh, so, you know, going to school. So, you know, on the surface, everything looks like it's, it was just fine. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there is, uh, you know, I'm a people pleaser. I'm afraid of angry people. Uh, you know, I thought it was uh, funny that, you know, I, I relate to all 15 of the 14 traits. You
0: know,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know uh yeah, so, uh, you know, hyper responsible, uh, afraid of people, uh, you know, the guy that uh, disappears into the background, um, you know, the one that leaves, you know, that, that, that's how this shows up for me. But, you know, after all the bitching and complaining uh, that I do about my parents, Somehow or another, they implanted the seeds of success in every one of us, and I'm very grateful for that. Maybe it was a uh, divinely inspired sense to just do better, do better than uh, they did, and uh, take what happened and turn it around and make the best of it. So I I think all of us have done that, you know, in in the face of adversity, we have thrived. Mm -hmm. And I credit my higher power for that because certainly it did come from uh, my parents. I think it might have come from my father. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was a good spirit. I I feel uh, compassion for him uh, now. He did, you're, you're right, Matt, he did take us to go places, do stuff. He would take us to a beach in Hawaii called Bellows Beach. And he'd pack a lunch, and I remember the cool white sand and the palm trees. And we would just be out there with a boogie board, uh, okay. boogie board all day. We'd come back, of course. We're, we're all going to have skin cancer in like 15 minutes, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, he he took us and uh, and we had a nice time. So after the physical abuse ended, I think that was the end of the abuse. Maybe I'm wrong from him. Uh, He answered my call every time I called him. Uh, But, you know, I joined the Air Force. and didn't have a fucking thing to do with any of the family for months months and months and months and uh, I remember getting a call into my first sergeant's office that my mother had called the Red Cross because (laughs) she didn't know if I was okay or not And so he made me call her but it was probably six months I don't know into the tour in in the Philippines but I got the fuck out and went as far away as I could
2: Mm. Sam, if I fix this. Can I can I add one thing real quick? Sure. Because I I, I want to take it back to what Katie was talking about uh the, the walk that I had. and, and I oh, think yeah. this is an important one. the impulsiveness that I have, the mm-hmm. absolute not giving a shit about anything. I'll drive you right into the frigging gutter if you piss me off on the road. I don't fucking care. I'll drive 150 okay, Everyone, miles.
0: watch out for him. What's your license plate oh, number man, so you Just
2: recently, like within the last two years, I've stopped doing that crazy shit. I would drive as fast as I can. So he says.
0: So so he that? says. So he says.
2: <laughs> yeah, until, you know, some asshole.
3: Until the next time.
2: Until yeah. tomorrow. But um, but no, but the impulsiveness. Like, I'm like, why do I? I feel like I could just, like, I'll just do whatever. I'll go fast. I'll get in a fight, you know fuck it. I had like no fear, like zero fear, right? And and it's weird because other people are like they're fearful and I'm like what's fucking wrong with you, man? Just do it. Just do it. And um so the 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 way the non-fear thing um manifested itself when I was a little kid, me and my brother got in a fight. We were living in we were living with my grandmother. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: And I was like he punched me in the face. I said fuck you, man. I'm out. And I left. And I walked 12 miles. To our old house in in uh, Plymouth meeting because I wanted to go visit my old friends. And of course mm-hmm. they moved, right? So there's no one there. So <laughs> can you imagine I was how what I was in uh, St. Lucie's? I was in like
1: 1980 yeah, ish.
3: Sixth grade.
1: I was in seventh
3: grade, maybe. maybe.
2: Um, seventh, how old is yeah. that?
3: Was that 12? Uh, I, yeah, I think it was sixth grade back because I was at St. Lucie's in eighth grade. Because sixth grade. Yeah. So, whatever age that
2: is, I walked my ass well, in haven't. a sweater in in the friggin' winter, uh, 12 miles up to uh, Plymouth meeting. Because, fuck it, you punch me and I'm out. Oh, I, yeah. Anyway, there's, and then, and then well, speaking of St. Lucie's, I remember standing in line and some asshole behind me was talking and they blamed me and they told me to get out of the classroom. I said, all right, fuck you, I'm out. And I left. I left school. Went I walked to my grandmother's house. I was like, all right, you want me out of the school? I'm out. See you. And I left, and they couldn't find me. I felt <laughs> like a million bucks. So I get to my grandmother's house. She's like, what the hell are you doing here? And she drove my ass right back to school. I was like, oh, man, fucked up." <laughs> but that was the only time I ever got suspended was for because I got pissed off when I left school. So <laughs> anyway, just impulsiveness. I think that's, a, it. it was, it's been a theme my whole life where I'm like, fuck it, I don't care. I'll just go do it. Over.
0: Over. All right, big sissy. All right. Um.
4: So I'm going to speak in the present. Um, how this shit show showed up in my life. Today I can look back and say um, I'm working on another four-step. It's like mm-hmm. my third one. And um, the first, I have to list my resentments and to me it's really hard to do that because it's like i don't want to blame anybody for my fuck ups and yet mm. um or how come i feel so bad so like it goes back to my feeling of worthiness my feeling of acceptance acknowledgement um not being abandoned and a people pleaser and like for many many years i wanted my mother's approval like i knew my dad loved me no matter what i mean he like everybody said he he would take us and do things with us i just he taught us how to swim i'm a good swimmer today because of him um he took us swimming he took us on drives when my mother was crazy so i don't have that um uh wanting acceptance from my father and i'll get to why not um, but my mother, I always felt that I needed to have an allegiance to my mother because it's my mother part of the 10 commandments, you know, like honor thy father and thy mother. And I carried her shit show into my life in so many different ways. Um, I acted out eating a lot of food. I overate. I over drank. I probably went out with too many people gotten to too many precarious situations where thankfully I got out alive I didn't get arrested almost but it's just recently in the past five six to six years or so that I finally have the clarity and the peace that I understand and I accept myself for who I am the shit show showed up in my marriages. I was married twice. I married the first guy because I was 24. Even though I had a successful career, I was a hairdresser and I was on a design team. Working full time, got out, had my own apartment, my own car, my own credit established, had already started traveling the world. It was never good enough for my mother, in my mother's eyes, never good enough. And so when I got ma- I got married to this guy because I was 24, and what was wrong with me? I need to be married, have kids, blah blah blah. So I married that idiot because he was just some sucker. And I talked him into, you know, well, we've been going out for two months, we might as well get engaged.
0: Oh, this is what everybody does, you
4: know. <laughs> Don't you know somebody not getting any younger here,
0: <laughs> you know? So,
4: but a bing, I was married a year and a day later after I met this guy. And you know, went to Aruba, and you know, I knew it was over when he said, "I'm going to go for a walk on the beach." I said, "Walk with?" He goes, "No, I want to go myself." I was like, "That was it. That was over." Wow. So, like that acceptance that seeking approval was always what I strived for. I always wanted positive affirmations that I was a worthy human being, and um, you know, used drugs and alcohol to boost that confidence. And, and to be a part of the crowd, you know, and mm-hmm. never getting it, never getting it. And I got into recovery and um, I practiced the program. I met my husband who was in the program. I had two beautiful kids that were the, I wanted to be nothing but a mother, you know, and yet in my ear was my mother constantly telling me how bad I was as a mother. Mm -hmm. And that drove me Mm -hmm. to want to leave my husband, to move back to Pennsylvania. I found every nitpicking thing wrong with that man that could possibly be picked on. And yet he was my husband. He was the father to my children. He loved his sons. Were we a perfect couple? No. Was he a perfect father? No. Was I a perfect mother? Absolutely not. But we at least tried, really super tried, went through, um, both our kids had special needs, went through every parenting class known to man to do for our kids, you know, to help them get through school and whatnot. It was still not good enough in my mother's eyes that this guy was sticking with me no matter what. And I finally just ended up saying, fuck you, I'm out of here. Because before you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. And so I'm going to, I'm going to cheat on you. I'm going to lie. I'm going to steal time from my kids to go do the things that I want to do. And I ended up going out and drinking. And I did that. How long have you been sober? I had been sober for 12 years,
1: Wow,
4: 12 or 13 years, but towards the end, you know the uh, I was getting the that- mental relapse
0: starts way before it. Yeah,
4: totally. Like I was in relapse in Hawaii because a childhood friend hooked up with me, and you know the grass is always greener, and mm-hmm. um, waving that gold ring that was nothing but a bunch of bullshit. You know he was married. It, the ins- mm-hmm. it's just that insanity that you think, oh, it's always it's something better out there. And so I never really, A, did, I never worked on the program. I never took, did the program for me. I did it because of everybody else. Like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. Okay. But I never truly honestly bought into the fact that I was an addict, that I was an alcoholic and that I had a serious issue with owning up to my own life. And so that I could actually have permission to have and lead my own life and Mm -hmm. and to listen to that inner child and say, twin, it's okay. It's okay. You messed up, Mm -hmm. but, and it's okay that you have that thought and you are allowed to continue that thought through to the very end. And so the battle was ongoing for years and years and years. And I tried to do the best as I could with my kids. Um, I ended up kicking out my son, which to this very day, something I highly regret, but mm-hmm. I did it when I was back in the program, you know, I got clean in 2014 and I used the word clean because I love, uh, the program of NA because it says alcohol is a drug. And to mm-hmm. me, you know, it's everything. And I really like that. And I've really dug, jumped right in with both feet to my program. I got into service and everything. And that is where that Woman that self worth came into play, mm-hmm. and then being introduced to Alanon and Naranon and and ACOA, and just getting myself immersed in this positive affirmation of life. I don't need that from anybody else, I can get that from me. I'm very afraid of having a relationship with a man, mm-hmm. um, of getting into a committed relationship again. I, I'm very afraid, I'm but. I'm, I say I'm afraid, but I would not, I'm putting it out there that I'm open to it. You know, I'm learning how to say I'm open to this. I'm open to have a better relationship with my sons. And, but bottom line is these last couple of years, like, I feel like the shit show. I've set those boundaries. I don't accept it anymore. And I just want to get on with my life and live my life the best way and serve others, you know, and, uh. I'm grateful that the shit show is still present in my life because it reminds me of what I don't want in my life. You know, I don't want my mom in my ear telling me how I did this wrong or that wrong or I could have been this better or that better. And, um, you know, us four kids made a pact in Hawaii. The last house, second to last house, the first time we moved on Camillo Street, lived in Hawaii Kai. And we made a pact that no matter what, we would stick together. And and that is just, that is what has carried me through these years is having that relationship with my brothers and my sister and their spouses, you know, like that is the gift. So to learn through the program and working the steps and working with a sponsor to learn how to see the good things in people and really, really, really. Put that wall up against that shit show like just I just don't want to I don't want to live like that anymore um you know I can I can say that I'm at peace 99.9 percent of the time and every now and then and you know now it's my son who's mad at me thinks I destroyed his life okay well you know what I thought my mother fucking destroyed my life so get over it find a program and move on with your life <laughs> right? It's like, I can't, I I, I'm so grateful. Like Sam said, the higher power, like my higher power is giving me such gifts that I are beyond my wildest dreams. Like I have a life today that I'm not moving because I need to, I'm moving because I want to, I'm working at a job because I want it not because I need it, you know? And it's true. I feel like what Katie said, like, I have a five-year goal, man. I have a five-year plan in five years. I'm on a beach. I'm going to be flying that little plane with the little flag that says drink at Joe's. I don't care. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, selling puzzle books and pencils on the beach. I, that is my goal. I want to have no responsibility and yet be responsible. If mm-hmm. that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: I, I'm just so tired of being a responsible human yeah. being and having to go to food banks to make sure my kids had meat on the table and to work two, three jobs as a mom, to make sure my kids have new sneakers. And, you know, that relying on other people, my, my siblings helped me out beyond measure. And um, I think that kept, kept me out of the grave because not that I was ever suicidal. I just wanted to go to sleep. I went into a hospital because wow. I wanted to sleep. I just mm-hmm. wanted to shut, to shut down for a minute. And. You know, that was where my life turned around and um, I hit a couple bumps, but, you know, I'm not going to give up. And that's the hope of the program. You know, that, yes, my life was a shit show. It could be a shit show tomorrow, but I don't have to live that way because I have tools and I have people that I can reach out to and I'm not alone and I am validated by, people that my higher power sends into my life on a daily basis. It's just mm-hmm. a miracle. I'm grateful. I'm a very grateful recovering addict and, and adult child of an alcoholic. You know, I'm grateful that my parents were as fucked up as they were because I know I don't have to choose that way of life. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how the fuck show mm-hmm. manifested in, in my life.
0: The fuck show. I love it. Oh my God. We like to say fuck around here. That's what I was thinking about putting it, making t shirts for my like support community. We like to say fuck around here. And I know. Uh, I love um, what you said the fucking shit show. So that reminds me. So I used to go to NA meetings when I was like in, in the eighth grade because <laughs> I wanted to be different from my mom um, who was in AA. But I remember they used to say, this was in Philly. I don't know if they still do this, but when they would read that reading where it says they would say alcohol is a drug, then everyone would go say what? And then they'd repeat it. They, do they still, still do, that? do
4: yeah. it. Okay.
0: Last yeah. question for discussion. I want it. And we'll see if you guys are, I think you'll be comfortable talking about this, but I want to talk about what your relationship with your mom looks like for each of
2: you. beat too. I was hoping
0: you'd ask <laughs> that question.
2: I was actually going to say I know say a that. little
0: bit from Sam, but I don't. Yeah, but I was hoping you all could share on this.
2: I'm the only one that talks to her. And I'm the only one. She's fucked it up with all the rest of them, and I'll let them tell the story. But um, she, she. I don't know. She's in her place with me. I don't know why. Maybe she just hasn't gotten around to it, but she loves to like, and I'll let them tell the story, but I talked to her. Because Have I love her. her. I love her. And I don't know, man, you know, we're only on this freaking planet So for a really short period.
0: Oh man. See what he just did there Threw that little jab in there. Oh, I talked to her cause I love her.
2: I talk to her cause <laughs> I fucking love her.
0: <laughs>
4: well and you know what that's okay like it you know we all have our different spaces where we've decided okay enough is enough mm-hmm. and i went through a brief spell earlier around easter time with my sponsor going i'm feeling so overwhelmed and guilty for not talking to my mother and um this is a brand new sponsor which is so cool because it's just a fresh perspective and um She's like, Dwink, just pray on it. Just pray on it. And I called her and, uh, you know, I wished her a happy Easter and she texted me back. Thank you for your message. Then she called me and I called her back, but I kept it straight, mm-hmm. simple, business, 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 like nothing mm-hmm. personal. Everybody's great. We're all fabulous. Yep. I won the lottery. I'm going <laughs> around the world.
0: She's um, like, give me part of that. Yeah. Hey, just so right? you know,
2: I don't say that. I don't say that to like dig the other. The no, three. we don't. I, know.
0: You you don't don't it. It. I know. I it's
4: was. Like, my, okay. That's
2: where it's I'm just, at. Just, yeah. You know,
4: it's it's okay, Matt.
0: uh You, you know, just wait. You haven't had your turn yet. Oh my god! <laughs> totally I was going
3: to say her.
4: that, Andrea. <laughs> the shit will hit mm-hmm. the fan soon enough. But you know what? enjoy you yeah, know that
0: joanne's yeah. talking to her again just get it'll be a matter of time Matt. just wait no, <laughs> You'll be
4: but the you know what? it's okay it's you know what it's i'm glad i uh, for me i'm glad i talked to her i don't ever have to talk to her again exactly that, i don't i i'm just done i'm done
0: i think that that's that's part of it too is like we don't have to make a decision to like cut our parents off like we can just make a decision like just for today
4: just for today I'm not
0: having a relationship with my mom and we reassess tomorrow um
1: I'm going to take a different tact because because mine is I'm not speaking to my mother um Mm -hmm. what we haven't covered here is toxic shame and being Mm -hmm. ashamed and being made to feel that we're not good enough our entire fucking life Mm -hmm. no matter what we do that was my mother and my relationship with her and when my brother Sam was sick, we all went out and we stayed with mom stayed and I had an on and off. I've had an on and off relationship with her for 40 years. So this went two years ago, This is two, two years ago, about two years ago. Yeah. Um. And there was some back and forth and I don't quite remember what, what was, oh, she couldn't get in to see Sam at a rehab. He was in rehab at, by the time. And where does she live? Tucson. 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 So this is, I'm telling you the straw that broke, broke my back. Um, and I said, mom, cause she started to attack, attack us and including Anne and, and Colleen as well, where you have family family group chat and mom, you have to respect the doctors, blah, 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 blah. And I don't know what the fuck she started with, but she said, she texted, I'm so ashamed that you're my daughter. You're mentally mm-hmm. ill and you, you have dementia and you need to be in a blah, blah, blah. And I was like, thank you for finally putting it in writing what I had felt my entire fucking life that no matter how good I performed in school, no matter what I did, I, my mother was ashamed of me. Thank you for saying it. And that was that I haven't spoken to her. I blocked her, no contact. I will never speak to her again. And she knows it. And I don't have to fucking explain it to her. I don't feel guilty about it. Do I mourn the loss on mother's day that I don't have a mom to go get pedicures with? Sure. But I have done every single thing that I could have done as a nine-year-old girl to a 50-year-old woman to have a relationship with my mother. I've given her tens of thousands of dollars. I bought her a house. I bought her a car. I paid off credit card debt. It was never enough, never. And I was never enough. So when I look at the root of all my problems, yes, my father's a fucking alcoholic who abandoned us. That is a whole set of problems. My mother's toxic shame of how she made me feel is why I will never speak to her. And I've made peace with that. And if she lives another 20 years or she drops dead tomorrow, there's nothing I can do. I wish her well, I don't wish her any ill. I do love her, but I, won't, I don't have a relationship and I'm okay with that because my mental health and what that has destroyed over and mm-hmm. over, it's a cycle in my life where I was so codependent on her, so desperate for her uh, approval and mm-hmm. love that I would give up myself over and over and over again. And I'm like, fuck that. I am never doing that again. And the fact that she fucking wrote it. Now I just mm-hmm. got a doctorate like six months earlier. I have three beautiful children. I have a normal house that I've lived in for eight, 18- like, I am a good person
0: clearly very mentally ill and clearly you have. Clearly, and, oh. and I was like, it is all making sense. Now I've been trying to figure out what's wrong with you the whole time. Been talking <laughs> oh, no, I, got I it. Trust you I, okay. Got I, it. Yeah. I mean,
1: so, but that's the thing. And so it's, it's like, we all have anxiety and depression issues. Well, that was my anxiety it was like, how do I please my mother? How do I take care of her? And it was like classic narcissist behavior where she'd get in and then she'd flip the tables. So my relationship is no relationship, no contact, hundred percent boundary. Um, and I had to do that to, to preserve my sanity and preserve my marriage and my family. And I had to circle the wagons. Again, I have three teenage kids. This was in the midst of COVID. I was trying to keep my kids fucking alive because of all this mental health, crazy shit going on. I was like, I can't have her bringing me down when my kids are having problems. I can't be the sick one. And um she's gone on the attack on them too and we had a block they've had a blocker so that's my story um and that is what i go in to my ACOA meetings trying to work out is that guilt even though i say i'm not guilty it's the constant reminder of why i am no contact and it's the constant work to overcome Mm -hmm. that toxic shame which is Mm -hmm. fucking hard so hard i get it sorry
2: Katie. Sorry, so it sucks so bad. Can I? I just want to add, like, with mom, we've all experienced this. How do you feel, Matt? You're like, fuck that. I'm not answering that shit because you, I, mom, I'm depressed. You know, well, you know, you're fucked up. You know, (laughs) or whatever it is. You know, She, she just has this way of saying, "How do you feel? You sound tired or whatever." And then you're like, "Oh, mom wants to."
1: She, she wants really to love me shit. she's interested she wants to love me
2: and then i'm like you bitch you turned it
1: around and, and now she I turns like it around
2: she turns insane. it around
1: it, yeah and makes your spouse well you're sad because your, your spouse is an asshole so right. she had managed to on every relationship all of us have had to make our spouse our boyfriend our girlfriend the bad guy there's something wrong with them they're evil they don't love you they're pieces of shit so that's what we grew up with so yep. then you start to delete that and you're like well no they're not good at, I'm not good enough for them. I'm not good enough for anybody. So we take those bits and pieces of love from whoever gives it, however fucking dysfunctional it is, and we try to piece that together to have some sort of, I don't know, relationship with people and it that's that's why I went through two marriages.
3: Yeah.
1: Crazy shit, man. You know, that's, that's why but
3: uh, the conversation. I'll say good Sam. I just want to jump in here, you know, I my feeling is is that uh I spend a lot of time talking about the dysfunctional uh, people, my mother, my father, but I do want to talk about the, uh, what is possible and, you know, I do feel that I have peace and I have the strength to maintain boundaries and I'm learning about how to have a healthy relationship with people in general um given the basic programming that I was given, you know that that's that's how I am going to operate the rest of my life uh, yep. is based on that programming. Now, uh, what I've found though is that ACOA and other 12-step programs have given me the guidance, you know the the guideposts mm-hmm. uh, those little reflectors on the side of the road that, keep me in line and you know my life is is outstanding you know i've been married and going on 24 years um, you know that that marital dysfunction uh has not hit me thank god uh i have a, a wonderful wife we're both in uh, 12-step recovery and uh you know i do believe that in spite of everything you know, being paralyzed, and, you know, just all the shit that goes on, my life is still a parade of miracles. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 12 steps have helped me. And, you know, my recovery journey now takes another step. You know, mm-hmm. the work is never done for me. Nope.
1: Nope. And,
3: uh, you know, so more will be revealed, you know, and... Uh, it's being revealed. And so I feel like a beginner at 34 years of sobriety in the other 12-step program, you know, I'm coming into ACOA as a, as a brand newcomer. Like, I don't know shit. I don't know anything. Teach me, you know, how 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 am I supposed to navigate, you know, in this new reality, this new world? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm getting that. I'm getting uh, guidance, uh, you know, I read the the big red book and it's like, how how do they how do they know? And I listen to the podcast and it's they're wonderful because yes. I, I hear people talking about the shit that happened to them and then what they did and then how is their life now. And you know, no one has said, well, I'm so far. So much worse than I was when I came. <laughs> <to this show. laughs> right. Or I have it all better. figured
1: out, though. Yeah,
3: people. Yes, have, too. People have it have it uh, sorted out, or they're sorting it out, and yeah. you know, there's a, a bit of joy, in, uh, to be honest, in the discovery. You know, yes. to have yes. have a new experience. You know, a deeper experience. You know, I, I went to uh, the Mankind Project, and they talk about the little boy inside. And it's no different, I believe, than ACOA talking about the inner child. There is an inner Sammy in here and uh, he's probably 12 years old. And uh, I get to be, I get to be the adult and I do get to parent him and uh, take care of them and that's that's lovely it's wonderful thanks sammy that's it thanks sammy.
0: this is so amazing there are a lot of people listening right now <laughs> <laughs> that are very jealous that you guys all have a relationship. <laughs> very grateful. This is so beautiful. You guys are really lucky that you that you have each other. Yeah, we, yes, are. we, we are blessed. We're
2: the blessed. Four of us
3: to, to my we mom's chagrin.
2: It's the four of us, not the five of us.
3: Yeah. It's that's together. right. I remember that conversation or I remember the commitment that uh I mean, we couldn't rely on, on the parents any longer so we had a yeah uh, make a pact to take care of each other. And we have, that's, uh, what, 40, (laughs) 40
0: (laughs) 44 years ago. Yeah. ish. And I think what's really beautiful too, is that, you know, as, as is the case, each sibling has their own unique experience, but I didn't at once hear anyone invalidating each other's experience. And, you know, you respect your own perspectives and, um, you know, impact and the way that you view things. And I think that's really, um, it's just great example. Thanks. It's really been beautiful.
4: Thank you. We so. love each other and we've been through hell and back and we make it one day at a time. It. That's our motto. One day at a time, one second at a time. And we've got each other and, uh, a lot of other people out there willing to be there for us. Yeah grace of the Mm -hmm. program yeah
0: yeah and i've also never heard like i like too that you're not like pushing things on each other as well well i think because we've
4: we've been pushed like Mm -hmm. we were pushed into uh alan or what is it called alateen and we would go to meetings and such like that and pamphlets and this and that and you know, I think we each have to learn our own way, just like and anything. You know, the
3: seeds were planted in Alateen. Seeds you know, were
4: planted. To,
3: to be true, you know, I don't regret going to or Often. Nope. You know, I've been in a lot of therapy. My wife and I have been through relationship classes and uh, parenting classes to learn how to reprogram our, you know, the ideas that we have on how to raise children uh i haven't hit my children uh at all i just (laughs) shook my son up uh one time but uh that i i can remember that one time and i felt so ashamed and so bad that uh that i lost my temper with him i I swore to myself that i'd never do it do it again but it's taken a lot of years of, of classes and counseling uh, to reprogram uh, myself and it's been effective. So, mm-hmm. but it has taken some work. And,
0: uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, a there's a lot of joy. Some work, a lot of work.
2: A lot of work, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: How much you get? Yeah, yeah a, lot of, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Matt, were
4: you going to say something? Thank
2: you. Yeah, just real quick. I mean, we all, we've all had our own path. We all mm-hmm. started with nothing. I don't, did any one of you guys get you know, the golden friggin' ticket. Here's.
1: Oh, you didn't have the million dollar inheritance. I guess only I got it.
3: Oh, you got it. i bitch. I
2: got a daddy,
1: blue daddy, duffel boo-boo.
3: bag with red handles. Yay.
2: <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, bag. Started basically with nothing, you know, when you look nothing. at it's some shit that people have to get started. Anyway, it's a sob story, but, you know, we started with nothing and we've had this very, you know, I was telling a friend, I'm like, It's like I say it's a long, the long, what is it? Long, strange trip I've had or something like that. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, meandered around and, you know, we've all bounced around, but, you know, in a positive direction for the most part. And, you know, it's not easy watching, people, you know, the siblings struggle, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, know, everyone, you know, we all know no is taken. But it's like, you know, you're Mm -hmm. sitting here, you're like, fuck, man, you know, it's so hard to see people struggle. Sam got sick. You know, and and the struggles that we've had in our lives, and it's like, Mm -hmm. fuck, man, it's just hard, you know. And and but we come back together, and you know, we we've taken we've taken a a picture of the four of us whenever we get together. We take a picture of the four of us, yeah. And uh, you know, it goes back to like the '80s, man. So it's always pretty cool,
3: except for that one that I
2: was in Tucson. I looked like a fat tub of lard. I'm like, oh my god, wait. So maybe that was a good thing.
3: (laughs) We would be both.
1: I think it's I was good. standing in a hole. I'm a foot shorter than you all. <laughs> yeah, we well, were
0: all just together a month ago. So, uh, yeah. Yeah,
3: it's
0: good. I think that, that's a Grateful Dead lyric. What a long strange trip it's that's been. It's hard to like the doodah man.
1: <laughs> right Everyone right. knows
0: the doodah man, right? Of course. No, <laughs> Who the fuck is he?
4: <laughs> well, thank you so much. Andrea, thank you for this platform. Uh,
0: Well, that wraps up today's episode. As always, you are so very welcome and thank you, thank you, thank you to the shit show siblings. I really really loved our conversation and thank you just for being so open and honest and vulnerable and for anybody else out there that has siblings that would be down to share their own unique experiences. Hit a girl up. I love doing these episodes and I think people get a lot out of them. Um, what else? I don't really have anything. Um, I think next week that I'm going to do step steps. (laughs) Lord, I'm struggling. I'm going to do step six and seven. I think next week, I don't know. I have a couple interviews. I'm definitely going to be doing step six and seven shortly, if not next week, within the next couple of weeks. And um, I don't really have anything else. Hit a girl up. You can DM me. You can email me at Andrea at Adult Child Podcast. Give me a follow on the old Instagram, the TikTok. You guys, I just hit thirty thousand TikTok followers yesterday. Woohoo! I didn't even know what the damn TikTok was before I started. When I started this podcast, I had never really been. I thought TikTok was just for like little teeny boppers and stupid dances. Um, But it's for adult child shit shows like me too and uh shout out to all you out there who have found me from the old tiktok including you swamp ass you listening to me swampy um i will see you guys next week for another fucking amazing episode of adult child it's gonna be super super awesome i'm super excited for y'all to hear it it's gonna be a good day i promise
2: Slow now Don't let it on.